I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Acting as moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Well, you see, your silver bullet theory only works if you're able to spot the werewolves. It's high noon for Thursday, July 1st, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and brand new starting today. I'm on the Getter app at I'm your moderator. The merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. And if you listen on the Apple Podcasts app, and you haven't before, please take 75 whole seconds and go leave the podcast a five-star rating and leave a review if you feel like it. Today is the 162nd day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You think you found another V for victory moment. And instead, it's just another D for dumbass. But. I would nonetheless like to extend a warm Thursday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. 
I don't know how you got here, but I hope you'll keep listening at least for one entire episode. You can do it. Trust me. It's not going to feel nice the entire time, but neither does finally getting back to the gym the first time. Feels like crap for a couple of days, and then it goes away, and you just get stronger for the rest of the time. That's how you got to think of it. And truthfully, you got to do it. Because you're becoming one big slovenly commie and you're not even aware of it. But all you got to do to come back, join us in America, is get rid of all those stupid and evil commie ideas in your little child brain and allow your brain to grow to its full adult size. And naturally, if you're a child-brained person, you're about to hear a whole bunch of things that you don't understand, and you will immediately assume that they are all wrong. And the reason you're going to do that is because you've been told that all the no-no things are conspiracy theories, and if you even start believing them or thinking about them, then you are a domestic terrorist. But here's a full-size adult brain thought that I think you might be able to handle. You're just gonna have to decide what's true and false for yourself without taking it from someone else. Rachel Maddow is never going to tell you that we are all right. It doesn't mean that we're not, okay? You're just going to have to think about things, check them out, verify your information, and decide what's true. And you're going to be okay. In fact, you're building a habit that will make it much easier to guide your decisions in all the other parts of your life as well. So, a thing on telegram lately and i guess in the media and kind of across mediums has been a bunch of prominent or semi-prominent accounts going after one another on who's legit and who's a shill and who's passing around conspiracy theories and who's part of a psyop and who's disinformation and who's paid off and who's compromised and that stuff to me could not be more boring. I don't understand the point of it. And almost every time I see it, it seems really petty. Now, there's always a point to say, hey, people are probably listening to this account too much. I'm not sure if this makes sense. But... For the people themselves to go back and forth like in these constant attacks that get more and more dramatic each time, it's pretty silly. Now, I was on my Telegram chat this morning and someone brought up the idea that Joe Biden was being played by either James Woods or Jim Carrey or a combination of the two. Now, that is an extraordinary claim. Obviously, does Joe Biden look like he used to? 
Absolutely not. Have we seen tons of weird stuff happen in the last 18 months, in the last six years, in the last who knows how many years? That would lend some credence to the idea that anything is possible, including completely extraordinary claims like that. Sure. But besides that, there is absolutely no reason to believe that Biden is being played by either actor or both actors or any actors. Okay. Could it be? Sure. We've seen videos of people where they're clearly holograms being presented as real people. And I know that sounds extraordinary too. But it's not more extraordinary than saying the person who just disappeared on live television actually didn't. It's just a weird thing. There might be other possible explanations. But we know the technology exists because they've used it before and they've made a thing of it. They've had prominent people interviewing one another as if they are in the room together when we know that they are not, and they don't hide it. So it's certainly possible for that to be true. It's a matter of the individual instance and whether or not you're going to trust your eyes or just assume that there must be some kind of glitch that you don't know about or can't explain. And people have different tolerance for extraordinary claims, all right? But when you try to dig down on a claim with someone for instance, about, hey, where did you get this? Like, why do you think this? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the person, and we had a conversation about it, and I'm going to go through a lot of that conversation. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone because everybody's just trying to do their best to understand what is a really crazy world. But the person said that she, I think it's a she, had heard it from Charlie Ward because Charlie Ward says it a lot. And Charlie Ward says, a lot of things all the time. And again, I don't mean to attack Charlie Ward. I have spent some time listening to what he does. And my position is that what he does is goes on four or five or six or seven shows a day, takes that content, reposts it on his channel, sandwiched between advertisements. And he says a lot of extraordinary things that other people aren't saying. He says them with a degree of confidence that seems totally unwarranted based on both his track record and the evidence he provides for the claims he makes. There are too many things he's said that are provably false. There are predictions that he makes while claiming that the predictions are based on authoritative sources who told him a thing that prove false within hours of him making them. I remember in early February, maybe it was February 7th, February 8th. He said that all of the media in the country had been taken over by white hats and would be shut down. And we would immediately realize that all the media was under white hat control and that that would be the next stage of the process of all this. He said this a couple hours before it was supposed to happen. It obviously never happened. So 
What else can you think about extraordinary claims when someone continues to make them, continues to claim that they have special knowledge and special sources, and these claims continually prove wrong? Well, when the person doing that takes content from other people's shows, puts it on his own platforms around advertisements, and continues to do this five, six, seven times a day, every day, all the time, even though he's not sharing new information, you got to think, okay, well, maybe this guy's not very reliable. And again, I'm not trying to attack him, man. Maybe he does have some special sources that I don't know about, but it sure doesn't seem like it. And he doesn't admit any doubt. He doesn't admit any potential that he might not be right. And that seems to me like he's trying to put one over on people. And I don't mean to impugn him. And maybe he doesn't have bad intent. Maybe he really thinks what he's doing is right. And who knows? Maybe he's just being fed disinformation all the time, right? There are a bunch of explanations. Some of them are plausible. Some of them are less plausible. But to use a guy with that track record and that reputation to then say that you believe an extraordinary claim that is almost evidence-free is true because he says it seems crazy to me. And the fact that he talks to other people who seem more reputable or who seem reputable isn't actually proof that he's reputable either. There are people who maybe I would have seen in a podcast or video interview but haven't researched deeply that if they approached me and wanted to have a conversation I'd be like yeah all right yeah I'd be interested in talking to that person maybe there's something I say that his audience needs to hear or her audience needs to hear maybe this person can change my mind about something the conversation might well be worth it but you can't judge someone's credibility based on the fact that they talk to other people who you find credible. Every person should be judged on their own credibility, their own track record, how they talk about the situations they're discussing. I myself have made some claims and entertained some ideas that two years ago I would have said were extraordinary. And just out of bounds. I would not have even thought about it. I would have been like, hey, that's crazy. But now we're in a situation where we know for a fact that our government lied to us about a pandemic. And then held back treatments that they knew worked so that they could push a vaccine. Right. That would sound like a crazy theory. 10 years ago to probably most people, maybe 90% of people. And there were people in the truth movement who did their work and they were like, hey, this is right. This is really what they're trying to do. And most of us would have ignored them. Most of us would have called them conspiracy theorists. So I try not to put myself in a position where I'm telling other people that their ideas are crazy, but I do want to know how they got there. And then I want to think about it myself. And it's one thing to remain open to ideas if they are proven true. It's another thing to believe that an idea 
is true. And you should go around telling everyone else that it's true. Again, the whole point of all of this, the entire mental exercise is to train yourself in discernment. You know, we're we're all going to have different standards no matter what. But the important part is to have some standards, like make sure that the things you're saying, you can at least back up with evidence or even if that evidence is theoretical, right? Just a reason. Tell me how you got there. Why do you believe this? Have something to say other than this person told me, right? We are in a place where we cannot trust experts. I think we all agree with that. You can trust experts if they are open to your questions and can explain how they got there without lying or without trying to deceive you or without confidently saying something is true when another expert could easily refute what they're saying. And I'm talking about Anthony Fauci here. But that doesn't mean that we have to go to the complete opposite end and assume that everything someone like Charlie Ward says is true. Charlie Ward is making money on what he's doing. All right. And every time he posts a piece of content from someone else's platform on his own platform and he's driving the clicks and views to his platform rather than the person interviewing him. That to me seems messed up. That to me seems like a person who's not operating in good faith. And you combine that with the fact that he is consistently wrong and and spectacularly so, while feigning genuine confidence and genuine authority, that's enough for me to say, hey, nope. I'm also not a fan of the people who claim that their word is the final word on a subject. I just want to say, hey, this is my opinion. This is what I think. You don't agree with me? We can discuss it. Or you can think I'm full of shit and you can turn the show off. But I can tell you one thing I'm not doing, which is getting paid to say these things because I'm as broke as I've ever been in my life. And I can also say that I am trying to tell you the truth as best I understand it. And that's my only standard. All right. I'm going to entertain some extraordinary ideas because we live in extraordinary times. These times are incredibly difficult to understand. Disinformation flies on both sides. And we know that the mainstream cultural information is almost entirely false. So we are operating in this empty space with just a bunch of stuff flying at us. Which is why I always return to the idea that all of this is information among other information. All right. Whatever you're taking in, no matter what source it's from, is new information. And it should be put in the context of all the other information. And if it maps onto reality, you give it more credibility. If it doesn't, it loses credibility. And if a person is out there confidently saying, hey, this is true, and you see these claims continually losing credibility, then the person, the source, should lose credibility. Likewise, I don't like it when I hear 
oh, this person said this before, or this person did that before. You can't listen to them. Well, I actually can listen to them, and I'm going to listen to what they say, and then I'm going to judge it by itself. I'm not interested in who the source is or what they might have done 10 years ago. That has no bearing on whether or not the thing they're saying right now is true or whether it's valuable. And all I care about is trying to discern true and valuable information because true and valuable information can lead you productively forward. And there are some very strange battles going on in, in this realm right now. Like Tori Moras says her stuff. I listen to her show sometimes. I get valuable things from it. Am I sure that she's right about all the stuff she says? No, I'm not. How can I possibly be? Right? She says a lot of things that might happen in the future. She says a lot of things that she knows from her life experience. And I'm not in a position to judge those things. I am in a position to put the information she gives me in context of other information. And right now she's having this weird battle with like the we, the media people and with Brian Cates who writes for Epic times and some other outlets. And like I follow all three, right? I don't need to know about their personal disagreements or who's a shill or who's a grifter. What do I care? I care about whether or not the information is true, and if it's valuable. I think some of the We the Media people seem like total frauds, and some of them seem like really committed research people. And sometimes some of the really committed research people are nonetheless too fixated on certain targets or too enamored of decoding, and the information that they end up putting out makes no sense to me. It doesn't seem to track reality. It seems like they are uh, reaching for stuff that will confirm a theory or a worldview or a style of looking at things. And so I don't trust it all. And I don't move all of the information on to its next step in the information stream. It doesn't mean I have to disregard the whole thing or go on a crusade to say that they're all liars. Brian Cates puts out a lot of information. With some good analysis. I don't think everything he says is right. I do think he is. He spends too much time trying to tell people that certain theories are wrong that he can't conclusively prove wrong. I also think that he's too concerned with convincing people that he said stuff a long time ago. Even though other people also knew it and were saying it like, okay, man, awesome. Your work actually speaks for itself. You don't have to spend your time defending yourself and you don't have to spend your time telling us that other people who are also doing the work and simply have different ideas are dumb or wrong. That seems pointless to me. I have people in my circles who I consider reputable that believe Tory is reputable. And that makes me open my mind to the things she says even if sometimes I think that they are extraordinary claims or said in a way that doesn't necessarily appeal to me or convince me, I just keep an open mind and look at the information. It's just information among other information. 
and I don't really care who wins in the little intramural scrimmage they're having. And to kind of take this out of the realm of the personal, because I know I've talked about a few people and listen, if they're all patriots and they all just have different opinions and one person's wrong and one person's right, that's fine. It'll all come out in the wash eventually. All right. Information among other information. But for all the redeemable communists out there, I understand that the obsession with the idea that all of these things you don't know are conspiracy theories is a real thing for you. Okay. And I also understand how a lot of this operates and it can lead you immediately into a position of doubt, right? Because so much of what gets talked about on our side of things is based on asking questions. All right. So if you post on Telegram or any other social media app or even ask your friends in a chat group, why does the collapse of the building in Florida look that way? Right. You can just write that. And there is a group of people out there who will immediately be like, oh, well, it was bombed. It was a controlled demolition, just like 9-11. And you're like, ah. Oh, I mean, OK, like maybe it was like, can you prove 9-11? Can you give me that at least? And then we can talk about how this building may or may not be similar to that. Like if you can't, then what you're doing is making an extraordinary claim twice. Right. And again, I'm not saying it's wrong. Maybe it's right. But it's extraordinary. And we got to have the humility to understand that. And. The problem with the, that style of asking questions is that these questions are what I want to call like an open why. Like, why did X happen? There could be a hundred different possible answers that people could give, and they'll all have varying levels of plausibility when you're looking at the situation. If you leave it too open then a whole bunch of things are going to fill that void. There will be answers from all sides, and everybody is most likely to answer with their own pet theories, right? If you are a deep 9-11 truther, then the Venn diagram for you and the people who think the Florida condo collapse was a controlled demolition is just a circle. You know what I mean? People go right to their main theory. There are accounts on Telegram, for instance, that think every one of these politicians like Hillary Clinton or Barack Obama, John Podesta, right? All these people that they're all dead and that they either have a clone or a hologram representing them or they're at Gitmo. Right. Or they're fully under control. There's no way to prove any of those things. OK, is it possible again? Yeah, everything's possible. OK, but it doesn't mean that you should go confidently around thinking, oh, yeah, they're all dead. These are just clones we're watching because their faces look different. And I can tell in this picture. Like, OK, you can believe that I'm not trying to insult anybody. And again, I'm not trying to say it's wrong. Maybe it's right. But I don't understand the degree of confidence about something you cannot possibly prove. 
You can tell me you have faith that it's right. I'll accept that. Tell me it's your opinion. Totally cool. Have whatever opinion you like. But don't tell me that you know that Joe Biden is dead and gone or Joe Biden is in Gitmo and that James Woods and Jim Carrey are just being Joe Biden now. All right. Don't tell me you know that because you don't know. So here's another example. You could say, what were the origins of COVID? And people would claim that it's from a bat or a pangolin. It emerged from nature. Other people will say it came from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And within that, there's the leak theory or the intentional release theory, right? And so last year, we had experts telling us that they knew that the virus came from nature. Many of us thought, oh, well, that's a lie. You have no reason to be saying that. And also there's a lab just right over there where they do this research. But those people all went out confidently on television, told the American public that their theory was correct, called Donald Trump a liar, and actually destroyed America's COVID response based on that ridiculous lie. They have put us in a far weaker position in relation to the disease and in relation to our world adversaries based on that lie. So we know that almost beyond a shadow of a doubt, that is not true and that it did emerge from the lab. Now, there's more than ample reason to believe that it was created as a bioweapon. We know the People's Liberation Army was in that lab working on bioweapons. But was it definitely? I mean, gun to my head, yeah. But maybe it wasn't, right? You got to leave a little room for doubt. But even once you're to that point, you still have to decide between leak or intentional release. And to say that you know for sure right now seems like too much for me. I think it's probably 75-25, let's say. Or maybe I could even be convinced to go much higher that it was intentionally released, right? I think we're going to find out that's what happened. But do I know? No. And so if I was saying that I knew for sure that's what it was, and I didn't supply a reason for my saying that, that would be a little strange. But if someone were to say to me that they knew that it wasn't intentionally released, that it was just a leak, I would also be like, are you crazy? You know that Chinese military was involved with that lab. You know that China is our greatest world adversary and they actually do want to destroy us. You know they have two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps right now. You know that our public health experts have been exposed over and over and over again as liars who are acting in bad faith. So why do you now all of a sudden believe that it wouldn't be possible for China to intentionally release the virus? So the, the question, the open why, is a 
good question to ask. Why did this happen? And then all the possible answers should be on the table, right? Get all of them. I'm open to hearing everybody's ideas. But at that point, you actually need to be discerning. A good place to start is just using Occam's razor. Figure out which is the simplest, adequate answer, right? The response actually does have to answer all the relevant questions for it to be possible. But once you get to the point where it answers all those questions, then you try to figure out, well, which one is simplest, which one is most likely. And you give more weight to that. It doesn't mean that then you know that's the answer. It just means I tend to believe this and that's okay. We have been convinced that we need to have the answer. We need to know what the answer is and then support the answer against all other answers. And if you're not supporting the answer, then you're a conspiracy theorist. That's how that all comes together. Now, the problem that occurs so often on our side is that people see something that they personally can't explain, either because it's genuinely unexplainable or that they simply don't know enough to answer the question. And they'll ask the open why in a leading way. Like, why would they do something like that? And it almost implies, it signals to the audience that they should fill that void with whatever they want. As if the question is actually an answer. They ask you the question, your brain supplies the answer almost by instinct, by reflex. And because they don't answer the question for you, you're like, okay, we're on the same page. I got it. This is the answer. Like, why don't Joe Biden's earlobes look the same as they used to? Well, you know what? That's a damn good question because his earlobes definitely do not look the same. But that doesn't mean that the answer is it's James Woods. So one of the things that I think about when people are asking questions in that manner is, is this just an open why that I'm supposed to fill by reflex? Or is this a genuine why? Is this a search for truth that we're all going to figure out together? And again, this is the joy of the information stream, man. We can say things throughout the day and have hundreds or even thousands of people respond with possible answers. And they're not all going to be right. Some of them are basically just trolling. And some of them are straight up just trying to haze you. But there's a lot of people on these platforms with genuine expertise who actually want to share their expertise with other people. So the genuine why is extremely important. But the open why is mostly a rhetorical trick. So you got to be careful with people who use that stuff over and over and over again. If they are just asking questions and not putting out what they know, what they think it is, and they just want you to assume the answer and then assume that they ha also have the answer, 
that gets into dangerous territory, man. And I don't mean dangerous like there's going to be a very violent insurrection. I mean, it's just a dangerous habit to form. It allows you to be convinced of things too easily because the open why allows you to fill the answer that you have already given weight to. It's basically a setup to exploit your own biases and prejudices. And you want to try to avoid that, at least be cautious about it, right? Just think for a second. Wait, am I answering an open why with something I don't actually know? And if you are, don't beat yourself up. It's not a, it's not stupid at all. It's something we all do, but you just have to have the next thought. Wait a second. Okay. Well, it's possible. I'm going to stay open to that. I'm going to look for more information that either proves or disproves. And then I'm going to keep going. But to think you've found the right answer because it confirms your prior beliefs or because somebody says it confidently or somebody says it because they claim to have a source. That's not good enough, man. Maybe they're right. Stay open to it. But you don't have to just believe it. Joe Biden now does not look like Joe Biden 12 years ago. 100% completely agree. You would be lying if you didn't see it or blind. But is James Woods a better explanation than he's just got a lot of plastic surgery? I don't think it is. And I don't know what to say about his eye color. Okay, so. I understand why this stuff is a problem for people, but I don't understand why people can't just be comfortable living in a space of doubt and uncertainty like I talked about last week. It's all just information among other information. And the Q stuff is the same way, you know. Q posts are just words. They're just letters and numbers. Q can be useful if you read the posts and think, oh, maybe there's something important about these issues. I guess I better understand them all. And then you can understand all the issues. And if you do that using the Q post as a map for things you need to understand, you could actually be really well prepared to operate in this information environment. But if you're the kind of person who sees a random tweet, a picture of a horse and a commercial from 1976. And then you decode them all to match to the boom, 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 boom post. Well, I don't think that's very discerning. Maybe you're a genius and I'm not at your level, but otherwise the thing you're doing seems batshit crazy because it doesn't seem like there's any reason you picked out that tweet among all the other similar tweets. It doesn't seem like there's any reason why you're picking out that picture of a horse. And I don't even know where you found the commercial. But somehow you still took the timestamp, turned it into military time, mirrored it, dropped the zero, and now everything matches to other things that wouldn't otherwise be relevant if you weren't trying to make them relevant. And so how many times does the boom, 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 boom week happen? 
you know? And again, I'm not trying to talk shit about people who love Q, but my point on the sliding scale of belief and non-belief, I guess, is a lot different than some people's. I'm totally down to defend the Q stuff because it increased the knowledge base exponentially. I don't doubt that for a second. It put a whole lot of eyes on some information that people really weren't thinking about and that the mainstream news was intentionally avoiding or covering up or lying about. That's all awesome. I don't think that could have happened without the Q stuff. And to that extent, I think that a lot of that information, the way it informs what's happening now, we wouldn't be able to understand what's happening now if people hadn't done all that work and put all that out there. It would have been way too much for one journalist to have dug all the way through. And without the network of information that was formed around the Q posts, I don't think it could have ever been effectively communicated. So that's where I see the value in the Q stuff. But using it as a predictive tool, especially now, doesn't seem relevant to me. The events are happening in the real world. We can watch them. If we already have the knowledge base, then we don't need to go beyond the knowledge base and what's happening in the real world. So I give it credit for all of that. I also don't think it's relevant at all when the mainstream media tries to define QAnon as this conspiracy about elite, satanic, pedophile celebrities and politicians. Like, that's just not what it is. Anons might take it down that road. But then think about what I just said before about people trying to explain and answer all the open whys with stuff they already think, like that every Hollywood actor is a pedophile. I spent a lot of time in Hollywood. Not every actor is a pedophile. That's not saying that pedophilia isn't a problem in Hollywood and that those circles don't exist. I'm not denying that. I personally haven't seen it or known about it directly in any way. But I've also read more than enough stuff and talked to more than enough people to understand that people like Brian Singer, there really is something there. You go to Chrissy Teigen, and I'm not sure. She says a lot of messed up things. She seems like a thoroughly awful person. But does she eat kids? That's an extraordinary claim that I can't back up, and I don't think anyone else can either. At least I've never seen it. I've never seen anyone fully explain that and nail it down. Yeah, there are pieces of circumstantial evidence that make it possible, which is why I remain open to it. But to say you know is going too far for me. So the point is to use discernment and to not be led to conclusions because you think that you have the right answer to the open why. Now, I definitely didn't mean to make the entire episode about all of that, but 
I think it's really important, man. I think it's really important that we focus on what discernment really is and to view all of this information as simply information among other information, which is why you should take in a lot of information if your goal is to understand really complex subjects in this information space. There are no fully authoritative sources. You have to do the work yourself. And then, just personally, I think it's a pretty good idea to retain some humility about where you're coming from. Like, if Tori is right, if Tori is who she says she is, then she does have better information than pretty much all of us. Because she says that she's been close to these situations. And some of that tracks real well. That's an entirely different thing than someone who we know is simply a Q influencer and found a platform from doing Q post decodes for the last three years or four years almost. And I'm going to listen to someone who's working in good faith and doing the digging like Brian Cates way before I'm going to listen to somebody like Charlie Ward who says extraordinary things and always claims that he has intel sources or military sources and still nonetheless is wrong almost all the time. So that's just where I'm at with that stuff. Now, yesterday, Donald Trump did a town hall with Sean Hannity after he did the two border events. And he said a few interesting things in there. A lot of people are talking about the fact that Sean Hannity asked him about 2024 and was like, actually, I don't even want you to answer the 2024 question. I just want to know if you've made up your mind. And Trump said, yes, you know, I guess that's news because it's the first time he said it. But I don't think that there's anyone out there who didn't think he knew the answer to that question previously. So the thing I found most interesting about it was that he talked about how bad Mitch McConnell was as the Senate leader, which is something he has said before plenty of times. But this time he said it to Sean Hannity's audience. And you can say, yes, he puts out the statements about Mitch McConnell. All that's all good. But I don't expect that a lot of Sean Hannity's audience, the people who do get their news from Fox News, who turn Sean Hannity on every night, maybe they're older folks who don't spend a ton of time on the Internet. They're probably seeing for the first time that Donald Trump is actually gunning for Mitch McConnell. A much larger portion of Trump voters now understands that. Even if only 100,000 people heard that for the first time and they shared that information with other people, then you've got a whole bunch of new people understanding that Mitch McConnell is actually the enemy. And that's a good thing. That is a movement in the mainstream narrative. That's progress. That's why I care about it. Again, I think you guys all understand, if you've been listening to my show for a while, that I don't believe we can actually nail down firm answers on most of this stuff. It's still important to understand how the narrative is changing in the mainstream. All right. I don't trust Fox News. That's not the point. 
And I certainly don't trust Sean Hannity. I don't even really like Sean Hannity. And I only end up watching any Sean Hannity when he has a guest on. And I want to see what the guest has to say, which is why I turned Sean Hannity on last night. There is value in understanding how the mainstream narrative changes because that is a trend in culture. Okay. It is an indicator of a trend. We are now getting to a different point in the mainstream understanding, even though most of us have known all this stuff for months or years. I don't think that your aunt knew that Mitch McConnell was the enemy before yesterday, unless you got a really smart aunt. Now, I guess the biggest story that the mainstream is trying to push today is that Cy Vance has indicted the chief financial officer of the Trump organization, Alan Weisselberg. And the charges are basically like employees getting too many fringe benefits and not properly recording them for tax purposes. So as Jack Posobiec said on War Room today, it should be very telling that they've had all this information for a very long time. And this is what they've found, which is basically nothing. This is something that indictments would almost never come down for. This is all they've got. They are trying to smear Trump with this without even indicting Trump. This is pathetic, right? This is stuff of banana republics. They are using this as a political persecution. And they're trying to tie Trump up in these legal proceedings, trying to keep his name in the news as if he's a criminal. This is the strategy. It's a pathetic strategy. It's going to fail as all the other silver bullet attempts have always failed. But they're still going to do it. And it's really interesting to me that they do this just a week after trying to strip Rudy Giuliani of his ability to practice law in New York. They're basically making it so that Giuliani can't do the work he would otherwise be doing for Trump. I guess they think this is a big advantage for them in their nothing case. Maybe they thought they would be able to turn Weisselberg. There's been talk of this over the last few days and that he would give up the goods on Trump and give them something that Trump actually did. That would be, oh, so very scandalous. But that's not going to happen either. He's pleading not guilty and he's going to fight it as he should, because what they have is nothing. So this will be a distraction among other distractions, and it'll get them nowhere because they have already taken all of their big shots. This is the best shot they can take. They wouldn't be taking it if they didn't need to take it and if they didn't think this was their best shot. They're not ramping up to something. They're walking out of the room with a wet fart. Switching subjects. This morning, a Supreme Court decision came down, a 6-3 ruling 
that Arizona's initiatives to ensure a slight measure of election integrity, those were upheld. And the two things in question were ballot harvesting because Arizona wants to restrict it to only family members and election officials and caregivers who can collect ballots. You can't just have Black Lives Matter running around harvesting people's ballots. That's a good thing. The Supreme Court upheld that Arizona is allowed to do this. And this will set precedent, obviously, around the country. It's probably going to kill Merrick Garland's ridiculous case against Georgia immediately. The communists tried to present that these restrictions were racist. And the Supreme Court shut that down completely. Samuel Alito wrote the majority opinion. And in that opinion, he wrote differences in employment, wealth and education make it may make it virtually impossible for a state to devise rules that do not have some disparate impact. Because, again, the communists are always arguing that something is racist because they can figure out ways in which different races have different outcomes. And Alito's point is that if you're dividing groups by race or gender or class or a number of other things that the communists use to divide groups, and then you're saying that not all those groups end up having similar outcomes, therefore it's racist or sexist or whatever, it would basically be impossible to set any rules because you could claim discrimination no matter what the rule is. The idea should be whether or not the rule was set up to discriminate, and it's quite obvious that disallowing ballot harvesting is not intentionally going after one race. It's not discriminating against a race. It's discriminating against election fraud. And Elena Kagan wrote the dissent, and in that dissent she wrote, what is tragic here is that the court has yet again rewritten, in order to weaken, a statute that stands as a monument to America's greatness and protects against its basest impulses. What is tragic is that the court has damaged a statute designed to bring about the end of d discrimination in voting. Now that is ridiculous. Our basest impulse is to take undue power, which is what things like ballot harvesting are set up to do. She's implying that our basest impulse is to divide by race and then judge races differently and to then write the rules so that certain races can benefit over other races, which is strange because that's the commie argument. <laughs> Ultimately, I mean, what else could they be arguing? Black people, they argue, are somehow ill-equipped to return their ballots or to get IDs. 
our basest impulse is to say things like that and not understand they're racist. How about that, Elena Kagan? Is that base enough? And the best response to this of the day has been from communist lawfare attorney Mark Elias, who is responsible for the Fusion GPS steel dossier stuff. He's a Hillary Clinton guy. And he's been going around the country with his team of 100 lawyers trying to shut down audits, trying to make sure that election fraud can never be found out. That's what he's been up to. And he tweeted out, if you are cheering today's SCOTUS decision, something is wrong with you. I suggest you do some deep introspection. Okay. Well, I guess he's talking to me because I am cheering today's SCOTUS decision. I'm not sure what's wrong with me. I do a pretty good amount of introspection pretty much all the time every day. And I've thought about it a lot. Can't figure out what it is. Maybe Mark Elias can spell it out for us. I know he's trying to imply that it's because we are racist. It's strange that he doesn't just come out and say it. I would honestly just respect him more if he came right out and said, hey, those six Supreme Court justices are racist. As are all the judges who saw this case before it got to the Supreme Court. At some point, they should just say, everyone who disagrees with me is racist. And then at some point, he should also explain how he's in a position to judge that as a white communist. <laughs> now, the Biden administration is very worried about a couple of things. So I'm going to talk about those and then I'm going to wrap it up. But one of them is white supremacist violence on the 4th of July. DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas came out yesterday and said they have received warnings or threats or information about potential threats indicating that there may be acts of violence by white supremacist organizations on the 4th of July. And of course, they can't tell you what threats are or how to protect yourself. You can't do any of that stuff. They're just setting up a hope that someone will be violent somewhere on the 4th of July and that we can call it white supremacy. I think that they actually mentioned mass shootings. And if they try to pull one of those off, I guess we can expect their narrative setting to be about as successful as when they tried to pretend that the massage parlor killings were about anti-Asian hate. These people are totally incompetent. They're also totally evil, which is why they put these statements out in the first place and why they are like on pins and needles hoping for some sort of event. The other thing that they're very worried about is the very scary variant. And so they're going to send White House Delta variant response teams around to 
quote unquote communities with low vaccination rates. And can you guess which communities those are? Let's see what CNN has to say about it. The White House has deployed similar response teams in the past, but this is the first time they are focused on the Delta variant, a White House official said. These response teams will conduct surge testing, provide therapeutics like monoclonal antibodies, and deploy federal personnel to areas that need support for vaccinations. Now, wait a second. Surge testing? You want to, you want to test more. So you want more cases so that you can say we actually have a problem. Got it. But if they're going to provide therapeutics, then aren't they admitting that therapeutics exist? And if therapeutics exist, doesn't that kind of kill their emergency use authorization? The entire point of an emergency use authorization is that we need to use this thing on an emergency basis because there is no therapeutic. There is no treatment. It's too bad that they're not deploying hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin so that we could actually treat everything perfectly and then no one else would have to die from COVID. But it's good to know that they've now admitted there are therapeutics. I wonder how that will play. It seems like we shouldn't actually have an emergency use authorization in this case, particularly because the VAERS number is now over 6,000 deaths as a result of the COVID experimental gene therapies. But I guess we don't have to worry about that because we live in a bizarre world. Back to the article. The White House coronavirus team is spearheading this effort, and officials expect the teams will help with everything from boosting testing, providing supplies, and potentially increasing paid media efforts targeting regions where vaccinations are low. You got that? Another opportunity for the government to take tax money from the people and then give it to actors and celebrities so that they can pay for the commercials to propagandize the people who just paid the taxes with their own tax money. It's as if the government is saying, hey, bud, can I have a hundred dollars? And you ask, well, what's it for? And they say, I'm going to tell you to get vaccinated again, but this time it's going to be Snoop Dogg saying it, you know, because we need to get the black people vaccinated. California is the best at this. Just taking money and propagandizing people with their own money. And I wonder exactly how much money they're going to spend on this, how much they're going to send to these states, to these influencers. And remember, this is exactly what they did last year with Defeat Disinfo and Main Street One. They are using the celebrities and influencers. They are paying them top dollar to propagandize the public. So Orwellian. While these response teams are being sent to prop up communities, officials believe vaccinations are the number one way to stop the spread and recognize there could be a limit to their efforts. Most U.S. adults who plan to get vaccinated against COVID-19 have already done so, according to a Kaiser Family Foundation report released this week. Yes, 
That's correct. So no one needs your little teams. Also, no one needs response teams to a very scary variant that actually kills at a lower rate than OG COVID. Anyone at this point who has even a baseline level of information about the actual COVID story is over and done with this stuff. This is absolutely preposterous. And we're supposed to clap our little commie hands and say, oh, thank you, Biden. You're putting out the response teams everywhere. That sounds almost like you're sending in little military forces. But it's not going to be that. It's going to be like three IRS agents, a gender studies major, a couple teachers union representatives, some chapter leaders from Black Lives Matter, a fat trans public health director, and like seven undercover FBI infiltrators. And maybe they'll get their violence out that way. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. 
and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is CancelCouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!